This is the MLW Radio Network. When Wednesdays are just not enough, Front Row Material presents The False Finish. Welcome in, Mikey Whipwreck, and your host, Mike Freeland. Welcome to another episode of The False Finish. I am your host, Mike Freeland, joined as always by my uh, very lubricated broadcast partner, Mr. Mikey Whiprick. Mikey, how are you, buddy? I'm fat, good, and the quarantine is over. This is good. I'm happy for you. I'm glad this is over. I knew you were going uh, you were going a little stir-crazy there for a while. I was going a little cr- A little. Well, okay. Yeah, when we left everybody Wednesday, you uh, you kind of had a case of the giggly poos, and that was just... Well, uh, that geez. comes just naturally. That unfortunately comes with many concussions. You kind of yeah. you start to get a little looped after a while, but indeed. Uh, well, you know our self isolation is over. We're out of the red zone. We're into the yellow. Yes, which is probably going to last until fucking twenty seventy one. But well, hey, one step at a time, baby steps, right? I can go outside now and walk around and say hello to my neighbor. Well, that's good. Well, we got a lot of things going on here this week. We have a big episode. Are you ready for what we're about to do? I've been preparing this this intro for a while now, so hopefully I don't fuck this up. Since we started this fucking podcast, you've been asking. I've been asking. I've been asking, and, and you know what? You and delivered. I can't blow you off. You did blow me off. My God. We've known each other for nearly two years doing the podcast. Hey, you know what? Can I, can we can we get this to happen? Yeah, we'll see. You know, when there's contractual obligations that kind of prevent com- things from happening. You know, I completely this, respect you know. that. Guys, he has been a pro for going on 15 years. He's a former WWE Intercontinental Champion, United States Champion, two-time WWE Tag Team Champion. He has two amazing WrestleMania moments. And you know what? That in itself is enough right there. But that isn't it. He has an awesome podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Cardona. Matt, how are you, buddy? I'm good. What's up, guys? How are you? I'm glad to be on the show. Well, it is good to have you here. You, we, you just asked me that. Bro. Well, I know, but you, <laughs> have to, you had a look on your face. And I mean, I even thought, I know how Mikey's doing. I heard the whole intro. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You were talking to Matthew, and I figured I'm going to just sit here, and I'm going to well, I, provide I commentary this. every now and then and let things flow. I appreciate that. But I'm doing fucking great. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Matt, I tell you what, it's it's a long time coming. I always wanted to get a chance to uh, to chat with you and just kind of pick your brain on wrestling. But um, how you been recently? I know the uh, the quarantining situation has had its effect on a lot of people, but how you been through all this mess? I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but it's been pretty good here. Uh, you know, I live in Florida. I live in Orlando. Uh, I get to go outside. I get to work out outside of my backyard. Uh, yeah, I got, you know, released from my WWE contract, but... Uh, that sucks, I guess, to lose your, your, your dream job. But, uh, I've said it before in a couple other interviews that my contract was up in August and I hadn't resigned. Uh, and I was thinking about it every day for over a year. Like, do I sign, you know, do I, do I stay or do I go elsewhere? Cause now there's other options and the anxiety was just eating me alive. And when that call came and I got released, um, I, I was so relieved because the decision was made for me. And earlier in that, that morning when the releases started coming, I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to just let me rot until August? So I was almost begging for it. You know, like, obviously, I wasn't calling and begging for it. But in my, in my heart, I was like, oh, please release me today, please. I already had my pro wrestling tea store lined up, like, ready to go. <laughs> I was like, please, like, don't let me wait till August. Let me get some stuff done in these next couple of months. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, I got the, uh, well, actually I got a text saying, Hey, we need to talk, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I knew it was coming, but yeah, then I instantly pressed like, you know, live on my pro wrestling T store. I, I was ready to go, you know, like I'm so fortunate and grateful for all the time in WWE. My whole adult life was there, but it was time to go. I was going to say that pro wrestling tease, that was like the fastest turnaround I've ever seen in my life. I go, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> because, like, Mikey, I, the, the always ready thing, it's not just a catchphrase. It's, it's like how I've, you know, uh, you know, my whole career always ready. Because I was never the guy in the spotlight all the time, you know, but if I got a chance, I had to deliver. Uh, did I always deliver? Maybe not. But I was always, in my head, I was ready for it, you know. Uh, so when this was coming, I knew, uh, I talked to Ryan from Pro Wrestling Tees, said, Ryan, we need the store up today. Uh, here are some logos. <laughs> I went to my, my logo guy who was in the, the UK a couple hours ahead. I'm like, we need the logos now uh, because it's going to come. I didn't know for sure, but, you know, Hawkins went, Gals and Anderson went, Heath. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's when I thought I was going to rot. I thought they were going to let me rot till August because, like, how was I not with Hawkins? You know, but I wasn't. It was hours later, but then. Like I said, got the release. I'm like, all right, let's make this baby live right now. Sell some shirts. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the thing I will say right now is that is a huge crop of talent at one time. I mean, huge names in the industry. And I think as a wrestling fan, I mean, I think I can speak for myself. We're all kind of salivating where everybody's going to go because I think that's going to be the next exciting chapter. And I know you've kind of touched upon that, like, you know, it's almost going to be like Christmas, you know, what's next? And, you know, it's, it's only up from here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got signed when I was 20 years old. I just turned 35. So 15 years in WWE, I did a handful of indies before. Like I would do NYWC with Mikey, maybe like two or three other things like that's it. So it's only been WWE. So, so now to be on my own and to be able to do whatever I want and wrestle whoever I want and go wherever I want, like, it, it is like Christmas morning. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm not like, you know, everyone's saying, where are you going to sign? Where are you going to sign right now? Like, I just want to go out there and have fun. I, I just left this 15 year relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to hang out and, and chill for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Especially you know, the way the business is now. I mean, there's plenty of places you can go. I mean, you're just fresh off TV. You know, you had a pretty long fucking run. So I got a feeling that you can keep yourself pretty busy for a while just doing your own thing. Yeah, and you know, like luckily I've had a, a a great career in my opinion, you know, and and right now with the podcast we have the major recipe podcast, it's such a creative outlet, and you know, it was something we started in 2018, uh, just because we we love talking about wrestling figures, so like oh let's make a little podcast, and it, it kind of took off to, like now it's it is kind of like a business, you know what I'm saying? So if I never wanted to wrestle again, which I do, but if I didn't, I could live off this podcast thing. I mean. For at least a couple of years. I don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, I don't know how long uh, the major rest of your podcast is going to go on. It might be for life. It might be like the NWO. You never know. This is true. This is true. And you I hear this, Freeland? He can live off the fucking podcast. <laughs> working on it. I'm working on it. I can't buy McDonald's Happy Meal on our freaking pay podcast. Hey, we sell a couple of tea. This is the way T-shirts go. We, we split the cost of the T-shirt. We each get, I believe, after taxes, $2.69 before taxes. So Trust me, we got the split going on with the podcast. The uh, it's you know there's a, another guy who's our producer, so some things are split three ways, some things are split two ways. So trust me, I know all about the split. But uh, we do a little bit here, a little bit there. I say crumbs make crumb cake. There you, you know go. what I'm saying? There you go. I'm with you. I, I think I, I I just love I love the hustle. I, I and that's why I'm just so excited. I'm excited to be free. 
because I love hustle. And by hustle, I don't mean scamming. By hustle, I mean working hard and getting results and, and, and creating your own opportunities. And if you have an idea, going out and, and I'm going to curse, but fucking doing the work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is this is great. Like, I'm not saying I handcuffs before, but they're, if I did, they're off. Well, I mean, the other thing I think that a lot of people will agree with, and I think with this day and age with technology the way it is, I think you were kind of at the forefront of that. Hey, let's go ahead and let's put the YouTube show together. You know, even before the the major wrestling figure podcast and the YouTube show, you had a show even before that, you know, which started catching steam and you were marketing yourself. And I was telling this to Mikey before. I think that's what really drew me in. I liked watching you on TV, but then I got to know you as a person, and I was like, man, I even like this guy even more now because of what he does outside the ring. So tell me a little bit about how doing these outside things has definitely elevated as far as your recognition in the world of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't the first person to be on the internet, right, or the first person to have a online show, but I think I was – One of, if not the first person, to have their own show that they did themselves, you know, wrote it, filmed it, edited it, put it out. Like, this wasn't a WWE machine. Uh, This was me doing it on my off days. And at first, I didn't know what it was going to be. It was just me. The first episode, if you watch it back, it's it's cringeworthy to watch now. But it's just me in my living room, blank white wall, just trying to be funny, do some stupid jokes. And then little by little, I started adding my friends or my dad as characters. And I started, like, being me. And, like, filming it. But, of course, you know, like, reality TV style. Like, obviously, I knew what I was filming. Right. And, and the fans, and like you said, like, they, they you know, gravitated towards me. Because, like, oh, my God, he's just like us. He's this diehard wrestling fan. Except he's in the WWE. He's just like us. It's The only difference is he actually is there. So if we can help him, you know, get on TV or get on pay-per-view or sell more merch, I feel like a lot of the fans were living through me. And I loved it because I felt that energy every week, uh, you know, the, the rider revolution, it was called, you know, like every week I felt it, whether it be people bringing signs with my names on with my name on it or chanting my name at shows I wasn't even at. And I felt that from the people. It was the people who drove me. Funny when you talk about people living vicariously, like when you when you do different things, when you guys go to different stores to look, you know, go figure hunting, it, it's fun because. I go and do some of that kind of stuff too. And it's fun when you get to see somebody else and you're like, wow, somebody else does that too. So that's, that's fun. Like you said, the vicarious aspect definitely, uh, definitely appeals to people. Let me, let me kind of step back here a little bit here. How did the whole Mikey Whipwreck relationship start? How did the seeds plant with that? Let's, let's kind of go back in time in the way back machine. So I started in September of 2003 at NYWC, New York wrestling connection, it was just in this, you know, shitty warehouse. You know, I went and I was so excited to go. It was the first week of college. Uh, you know, growing up, of course, I always wanted to be a wrestler. And when I told my parents I wanted to be a wrestler, when I'm like five years old, that's fine. But when I'm 15, 16, 17, and most of my friends are going away to school, you know, and they want to be a doctor or a lawyer, I'm like, no, I want to be a wrestler. Uh, so we made a little deal that if they paid for my wrestling school, that I would just go to Nassau Community College, take some bullshit classes, right? Um, <laughs> so I remember when I went, the school was in this weird, like, transitional period where it was kind of, like, unorganized. And eventually, like, the school closed down, but they were still doing shows. And Mikey was there. And then Mikey was, like, you know, booking the shows and, and made this little group of guys called the Rat Pack, which I was in and Hawkins eventually got in. And then when the school reopened and Mikey was the head trainer – you know, then that's when I really learned. That's when I was really 
I taught how to do things. But before, one week, Spider would teach me 450 splashes. And the next week, Dan Barry would teach me hammerlocks. You know, it was a bunch of, like, different stuff. And it wasn't until uh, Mikey came along and they restarted the school that I actually learned, like, shine, heat, comeback. I remember one day Mikey, like, put it on some, like, uh, like a blackboard or a dry erase board. And, I, it, like, it blew my mind. So were you a big fan of ECW when you were – kind of growing up and then you saw that and you thought, wow, this is kind of cool. I get to train with an ECW guy. Oh, a hundred percent. ECW was a huge deal for, for a kid my age from New York, you know? Cause like, you know, it was the, the alternative and it was like the anti WWF. Like you were cool if you stayed up and you watch ECW. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So to have an ECW triple crown champion be your trainer. I mean, to me, that was like, if I was a baseball guy, like have like Don Magley, like coach me how to, you know, play baseball. So when it came to your training, so tell me a little bit about how a normal day would go. So we've heard different stories. Normal. Okay. <laughs> if that even exists with, with, uh, with Mikey, but what would a normal day be like? You guys get there, you warm up and it kind of take me from there. Yeah. I remember like in the very, very beginning when Mikey first took over, there was actual structure. And I was like blown away, you know, because like it was actually like we learned there would be drills. And I like before, like I said, I was probably only training for like three or four months. And I used the term training loosely before the school closed down. And I was just thrown on these shows, which which was great. And like looking back, it was awesome. But I had no business being in the ring. And I was just like a bodyguard type, like jabroni guy, like, you know, almost like the Foot Clan for someone shredder. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like that's that's who we were. That's who the Rat Pack was. But to actually like be in the ring and and you know Mikey was so patient and there there were some people I think uh, who really wanted it and there were some people who were just you know didn't take it seriously I think that's why uh, Mikey took a liking to me because I think he could tell like okay this kid wants it and it wasn't just the stuff in class it was like after you know going to the diner and the talking about that or you know when he would bring us to certain shows and just you know being I don't know if I was driving or in the back seat but just listening to the stories that was you know more influential than you know, learning how to go over the top rope, in my opinion. It was all the extra stuff that Mikey did that he didn't have to do. We know that you have a close relationship with with Brian Myers, and and he's also a a great dude as far as, you know, getting to know him on the show as well. Tell me a little bit about the relationship you guys have, how that all came about, and how cool is it that you guys got to do this whole thing together? Oh, it's cool, but at first I thought it was a big piece of shit. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) This is not exaggerating. (laughs) No, because I... Um, oh, this fucking I, guy. I was there, right? And he, I guess he had started a couple months before me in the summertime, but then went away to school, right? So, like, I'm there busting my ass, like, you know, every week. And then he comes back, like, when it's, like, Thanksgiving break or Christmas break. And I'm like, this fucking guy could just go to school and, like, bag chicks and then, like, come back and want to be a wrestler? I don't think so. And at the time, we were, like, the same size, the same age. So, to me... And I'm sure he felt the same way. We were each other's competition, you know? So we hated each other, hated each other. And it wasn't until we found out that we were both secretly collecting wrestling figures. That's what kind of broke down uh, the barriers. And then we were put in that rat pack group. Um, and then the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> wow. It's, it's interesting. What finally brings two people together is you find that common bond with one sure. another. And, and like, collecting wasn't cool. First of all, collecting wasn't cool like it is now. It was that during that time it was like forty year old virgin, where the guy is literally a virgin, and he has these, you know, these these figures on display. Like, and now it's like we're trying to, you know, prove that it's cool and you can do whatever the hell you want right now. 
But back then it was not cool. So it was definitely like, wait, I don't know how we found out. I was like, wait, you collect wrestling figures too? It was, <laughs> like he took me over to his house. I saw his bedroom of all his figures on display. I was like, whoa, I love this guy. Heat was completely gone. Yeah, I remember when gone. I found out that they collected action figures. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. Was, but uh, deep was, down, I used to do it too. Like I, when I when I grew up, my you know, ten eleven, I guess, is when they had the big the LJ one, the LJN one, the rubber ones. Yeah. The, the original ones that they came yes. out with. Man, I had all those motherfuckers in duplicates, <laughs> triplicates. I and then vividly. We had a flood, and I lost them all. Oh no. Aww. Yeah, uh, the the figures were fine, but they were all in packages, and you know, like mint on the card and stuff. And my oh, dad's like, shit. "Should like baseball cards? Don't ruin them. Don't do anything." <laughs> but yeah, they all got ruined. And then once the cards were ruined, I said, fuck it. And they all went out to the garbage. And oh now my I'm looking God. at myself going, that was thousands of dollars that it was oh, just I threw away. 100% thousands of dollars, yeah. Yep. What was uh, what was Mikey like as far as training? Was he was he different? I mean, obviously, you know, on the podcast here, we goof around and we have some fun here. But was he uh, was he the hard-nosed kind of salty guy or was, was he a little bit different? Shed a little light into what Mikey Whipwreck in the classroom is like. I mean, honest. I think he... I think he was very fair. So if you were fucking up, he let you know it. But if you were doing good, he let you know it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, were there drills? Were there some days where, you know, if I could go up and punch him right in the face because the drills were so hard? Absolutely. But that's just how it is. I, I'll never forget some of those those drills. Just never stopping, never stopping. But that's how that that's how you learn, you know? He was never, like, strict for the sake of being strict or hard for the sake of being hard. It, it was to teach you and to and to make you better. Um, and like I said, if you're fucking up, he lets you know, but if you're doing a good job, he also let you know, which I think is very important. I think positive reinforcement is also very important too, because you got to build confidence because without confidence, you're nothing. Mikey, what would you say, you know, when you saw the guys coming in and you're training them and you're starting to formulate the rat pack and, you know, you got an eye for this, obviously, you know, you've been around Paul long enough. What was it about Matt, would you say, specifically about him that you said, you know what, that I see something? Like, what was it specifically? First thing I noticed about him was his passion. He had a passion for this business. And you can't fake that. You know what I mean? You, you can't fake your enthusiasm. You can't fake your excitement. I mean, I, I could tell if you are. But he, he, him and Brian, they legitimately had a love for this business. Okay, so that's the first thing they had. I go, okay. So that that was the first thing that got my eye on them. Uh, then the second thing, they're two good look, two good looking kids. And I go, okay, well, they're going to be chick magnets, so they're going to be very popular with the ladies. I said, okay, that's good. And then just their fucking talent. I mean, it, you either you have here's the thing, either you have it or you don't. Right. Right. You can look at somebody when they first walk in, and you can go, eh. or there's some of the people that walk into the room, and you go, huh. There's a charisma about them that you can just feel. There's like, like aura. Yep. Right. Now you have like The Rock. He has like the ultimate aura about him. Right. Right. I mean, and very, very few people have that. And there are other people that have a different type of aura and it's a star aura and guys are going to get it and guys are going to be successful. And him and Brian had that. And they had the tenacity to keep going and never giving up. And when they were fucking up in class and I was giving them shit for fucking up, they didn't say, oh, fuck this and quit and not show up for three weeks. They would stay late sometimes. They would keep trying. And there are times I would tell them that they're fucking up and they're not getting it. You guys need to get this because we're not moving on until we get it. So you're going to hold up the entire fucking class. Right? Because that's how it was. When I, when sure. I bring them in, they, they were like a unit. This, this is your group of guys. These are the guys you're breaking in with. So these are the guys that you're going to progress with all together. And one by one, 
inevitably they will fall off the off the bus. Right? But this is your group of guys. Right? So we're all going to grow together. You all start around the same time. We're going to grow together. And the class will be held up for certain people. They weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. But Brian and Matt were the type of kids that I would see them on the side practicing tie-ups and practicing some chain on the floor and things like that going, huh, okay. Where other people talk about, hey, did you see Monday Night Raw? You see what this guy did? Do you see this new guy, John Cena? You know, that, that's, that's how it was. And yeah, Matt and Brian had some of that too, but they had that desire to be successful. I can uh, I can kind of put you on blast, I guess, here for a second and and say this to Matt, because I, I'm sure he knows this deep down. But I know this because Mikey's actually verbalized this to me. So, Matt, since we've been doing this podcast and WrestleMania comes around or the big pay-per-views come around, he will send me text messages tell me how honestly proud and how it makes him feel inside to know that the guys that he worked with have succeeded. And he says, I almost feel like I'm there. And... You know, that's genuine. That is genuine. And it's just, I feel happy for Mikey for being able to not only have a career, but to pass along what he did and to see you guys have such amazing careers in the WWE and everything else what you're doing. So I think it's a true, true testament of, of the passion that you both share for the business. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and like, you know, one of the, the coolest photos I have of my career is after Brian and I won the tag team titles for the first time on Long Island, and, and Mikey was there. We have, we have a picture with all three of us. Uh, I mean, we lost the titles like two weeks later, but nobody needs to know that, you know? <laughs> so that, That's irrelevant. That photo, that, that photo lives on forever, you know, which is a very special moment for all three of us, I'm sure. When it comes to wrestling, and you've seen it now for going on 15 years, have you seen a significant change as far as the guys who come in now, uh, as opposed to when you came in, do you feel like we talked about this on front row material, the etiquette, the respect, all of that stuff. I know Mikey said he was old school. He passed on old school mentalities to his students. Do you feel that same way? Or do you feel like eh, some of that's kind of going by the wayside? I mean, I do think, you know, the business has changed a bit and some of it has gone away, but I think, you know, like Mikey was saying earlier, there's some guys who are going to be in this business and who really want it. And there's some who are just going to fall off. And eventually, you know, the ones who are going to fall off, either they're going to fuck up or they're going to quit or something's going to happen where they're not in a spot anymore. You know, it's not going to last forever. So, I mean, you might get by for a little bit or maybe a couple of years, but eventually something will happen and it will stop it all. The people who really want it and really respect the business that, you know, some, some people don't make it, but the ones it makes it so much sweeter when you get those little moments. Like for me, like I don't, if you look at my career, like win loss record or pay-per-view record, it sucks. Right. But when I get those one or two or three or four moment, whatever that moment is, I appreciate it so much more. And, and I'm not like, you know, Oh, just be like, just be happy to be here and whatever you take, whatever you get, just take it. I'm not saying that at all, but you need to be appreciate what you get and be grateful for it. You know, you can't just be like bitter. Oh, why me? Why is this guy getting, you know, why is this guy getting the opportunity? Not me. If you live like that, you're going to be fucking miserable. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's not going to help your career either. What would you say to some people who may be listening to this and, and they're a young Matt Cardona, 20 years old, 21 years old, and they're looking for a school and they're trying to find their way and they know this is definitely something they want to do. What would be your suggestion to them? Would you say what your parents did? Hey, still go out and get an education or do this or do that. What would you say right now is your advice to somebody? I see. Well, my advice is might be the wrong answer, but I would say have no plan B, <laughs> have no backup <laughs> and go all in. 
because if you really believe in yourself and want this, you will make it happen. Uh, I'm not like an overly positive, natural, naturally positive person, you know, but for some reason I knew when I signed up to that school, like I am going to make it. And there was no plan B. There was no like, okay, you know, I got this degree and whatever, if I don't make it, there was no plan B. And is that the smartest? Okay. Probably not, you know, but that was my mentality is that I want this. I'm going to make it happen. You know, if I'm going to practice and like Mikey said, stay after or go. And like I said, you know, going after and just going to the diner or Ruby Tuesdays and talking and learning that way was in my opinion, more valuable than, than the moves. Anybody can learn the moves, but you have to learn how this business works and how it operates. And a lot of the things that Mikey taught me, you know, at a diner or Ruby Tuesdays or in a car, that's the things that, you know, I think got me, a got me to WWE and also got me to stay there for so damn long. You know, the respect for the business, how to carry yourself, that stuff. Anyone can do a hammerlock. I could teach like my little brother how to do a hammerlock. You can't, you know, you can't just teach anybody to love the business. You either love it or you don't. Do you think now that you have some free time here before decision-making happens? And I said this to Mikey on, on Front Row Material that I almost feel like nowadays we know about people's contracts. We know when they're expiring, whether they're negotiating, whatever. I almost feel like it's NFL free agency because everybody is glued into what's going to happen and when. So leading me to this question in a very long way, do you think you would ever do seminars? Do you think you would ever go to a, a wrestling school and do a kind of pay it forward type of deal? The, why my answer would be no is because I don't think I could do it. I think, you know, there's some people who are great trainers. Mikey, definitely one of them. I mean, look, look at all the people he's trained. I mean, the list speaks for himself. I think Hawkins is also a great trainer. I think if there's a match going on and someone said, what do you think? I think I could critique it. I don't think I could teach someone i think there's certain people uh who can do that and do it well and it's like i have so much respect for those people like like mikey because it's not an easy job you need to teach people who are at this level at that level who are a natural athlete someone like me was not like a nat i wasn't a basketball player football player i wasn't a natural athlete like that but you need to be able to take these people and find their positives and mold them into being a superstar and like really their career is in your hands there's a lot of responsibility there so I, I, listen, I would go and do like maybe uh, some sort of like seminar where I would like watch matches and give critiques, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't teach someone from scratch or, or run people through drills. Like I just honestly, I, I wouldn't even know what to do. You'd have to do the tag team seminar. Let Brian do all the work, and you just chime in every now and then. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that sucks. That's what I would have done. Yeah, you know, let the other guy do all the heavy lifting, and you just come in and split the money. Oh my god, what's wrong with that? I would do it with Jerry. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm aware of that. Um, <laughs> look, let me throw this out here, and I know you kind of touched upon this already, but was there a moment specifically, maybe not necessarily an in-ring moment or whatever, but whether you're sitting in a hotel room or you're you're talking with Chelsea or you, you feel all of a sudden, holy shit, I'm here. Like it, it's that moment where you're like, I've, I'm in where I wanted to be when I was growing up as a kid. Like holy shit, like it finally sinks in. Like, when was that? Was it multiple moments or was it one that just kind of hit you like, whoa? This is going to sound horrible, too, but it, it felt like I was in from day one, from day one stepping in that school, because that's all I wanted to do was be a wrestler. And I knew I was going to get there somehow. So every step of the way felt like I was there. And, and I was so fortunate, you know, 
let's, let's not beat around the bush. Like Mikey had a lot of connections and Mikey knew Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer was wor- working in the office. And then Tommy Dreamer got Hawkins and I a tryout. So like it all, it's all because of Mikey and who, who Mikey knew at that time, you know? So if I was in a wrestling school in California at that time, who knows if I would have gotten signed when I was 20 years old. Right. But then the thing is, when we got that opportunity, we were ready to run with the ball, you know? So everything happened so fast for us. We were, we started in September of 2003. I was signed in February of 2006. Wow. You know, so everything happened so fast. And I moved to Georgia and did the WWE developmental. And then I was on WWE TV a year later. And a year later after that, I'm working with like Ric Flair, uh, Batista, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels as one of the edgeheads. So everything just happened so fast. And it just, it always felt like right. It just because like, okay, well, whether I was, you know, wrestling in front of a couple hundred people against Dickie Rods and Mason Rage or, you know, <laughs> running down uh, and helping Edge uh, win the world title, it, it, they, they both equally felt as right because that's all I wanted to do. It seems like you were zoned in since day one. I mean, and not to say that, you know, not having a plan B, people may look at it and say, well, you got to have something. But it seems like you were zoned in and a lot of people who are successful. It's balls to the wall. That's just the way it is. And I think that's a very admirable trait to have, especially when it comes to wrestling, which is so difficult. Um, do you yeah, have any- if, I, if I had a kid right now, I would make him go to college. I'd make him get a degree. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying what I did was smart, but I'm saying I wouldn't have changed what I did because I right. firmly believe that's why I made it. Because I was just so I, I saw nothing else. It was just wrestling. That was laser it. vision. That was it. You've obviously got you just listed a whole bunch of people that you did stuff with. Let me throw this out at you in a perfect world. OK, in a utopia. Is there any names you could throw out of people you would man? I'd really like to get a chance to work with this person. I mean, are we talking like dream matches? Are we talking currently. What are we talking? Uh, people who are currently working. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously can't be anybody who's deceased or whatever. But like right now, boom, the clock strikes midnight. Your 90 days is up. It is time to rock and roll. The phone's ringing. Who is in your mind, if there is one person, maybe there's multiple, but you know what? Before all is said and done, I got to get this done. I mean, the, 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 the thing is, there's not just one guy. There's not five guys. There's, there's so many guys, whether it be guys I worked with in WWE who are now elsewhere or guys I've never wrestled before. So like someone like Marty Skrull, ROH, you know, like good friend of mine, never worked him before. I, I, I think we have similar styles. I would love to. I've never really been to Japan. So to wrestle someone like like Jay White, who I think we have a very similar look and style and, you know, same like body type, like I think we'd have a kick ass match. But then someone like Cody, one of my best friends who we've, you know, tore down before. I, I would love to do it, you know, on, on, a, on a bigger a stage now. But there, even guys like, uh, you know, I would love to go back and wrestle like I, 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 Mikey, I haven't even said this to anybody, but Hawkins and I, we want to do this. We've been like fantasy booking this psycho circus match. Where we were the captains of two teams, and we book people like from the past of NYWC, like a draft. Like, I, I get Spider, and then Hawk's like, okay, I get Dickie Rods. And we just have like a five on five, like NYWC dream match that nobody will care about except for the 10 people in the ring. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm writing that idea down. <laughs> putting it on my iPhone, I mean, in my notes. Write that one down, Mikey. <laughs> Mikey's not officially retired either. Is well, then he's, as... got, he's got he's got to be in the match. But I mean, every... or or is he the special referee because he can't pick sides, right? Oh, or does he true. start with one team and screw the other team? Oh, I don't want to spoil the show for everybody, but the <laughs> the options are limitless here. We do have some options. Yeah, we have a lot of options here. 
Um, Do we go as far back as to bring in Mason Rage? I would love to. Oh, my God. (laughs) We've heard a lot of different stories about ribbing and joking and having fun and whatnot. You got any good rib stories about anybody who was really good at it? We've, We've heard that Owen Hart was really super funny, and obviously. Is there anybody who's kind of picked up that torch who's just damn fun to be around and, like, funny and, like, no matter what the hell's going on, it's like, man, I can't help but crack a smile around this person. I mean, you, you hear all those, like, crazy ribs from back in the day. Nothing like that really goes on anymore. But who's funny? Uh, Luke Gallows, probably the funniest guy in the locker room, can always turn yes, it on. Yes. Like, the, the biggest rib that goes on now is, like, Hawkins and I hiding obscure wrestling figures and trading cards in people's boots or in people's bags. Like that that's like the only ribbing that's going on right now. You know, there's really nothing crazy going on. There's no there's no shitting in sandwiches or any of those horror <laughs> stories or locking up people's bags. Uh, none of that goes on anymore. Wow, it almost sounds like you guys are like uh, giving gifts away at that point in time. Like on the on the uh on the YouTube channel, you guys are like buying gifts for other people. I see that you're like, oh such and such needs this one. So yeah, or it's like getting a card of someone who's like totally obscure, like a Mantar card, and putting it in someone's bag or something like that. That's that's the 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 biggest rib, if you even want to call it a rib. I know our time is getting short. No, you know, no, let's let's talk about the biggest rib. <laughs> oh Jesus! Let's, let's let's talk about WrestleMania in Dallas. Oh, hold on. I hey Matt, I've heard this. I've heard Mikey's side of this. I haven't oh, actually spoken geez. to him about this. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm watching I'll- TV. <laughs> Yeah. And I see they're rating Zack Ryder to this ladder match. Yeah. And my head goes, that motherfucker's going to win this fucking thing. <laughs> so I look at the betting odds. It's like 200 to fucking one that you're going to win this fucking thing. And I go, he's going to fucking win this fucking thing. I'm going to take a grand, five grand. I'm going to fucking pop it on him because he's going to fucking win. So I send somebody a text message and goes, hey, what's going on? <laughs> God, geez. I said, "What's up with the What's up with this match?" You know, you know the, the text I got back. What's that? There was none. <laughs> so then, so then, I text him again on Saturday. Now the odds have dipped. Oh, now it's like twenty to one. Now you're losing money. Now I'm going. All right, the smart money's starting to come in because his odds are fucking going way down. <laughs> I said, "Hey, you get the finish yet?" No, not yet. No, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And I'm going. Son of a bitch. Then I text him on Sunday. The odds are like at this point two to one. I said, okay. It's Dunsies. No, I don't. I don't know yet. I'm not. Uh, you know. I'm like. So right before WrestleMania starts, I look at the betting odds. I'd have to put down like five hundred dollars to win one dollar on his odds, and I'm going. This motherfucker is going to win this fucking belt. He just cost me fifteen grand to keep baby factor. So I'm watching it. He's climbing the fucking ladder. And I'm and I'm sitting there going, this is awesome. This is, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He wins the fucking belt. I'm on my couch. I jump up and down. Landon jumps up and down. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tears are coming down my face. It's great. And my wife goes, hey, did you just win 15 grand? <laughs> I don't know. So I went from being ecstatic and everything else to like, God damn, it just cost me a lot of money. But but no, honest, <laughs> honestly, that he's laughing because he knows. I mean, uh, he's not lying. I, I, <laughs> you have to keep that stuff on the hush hush, right? Oh, but listen, I I never 
Oh, I would not tell a soul. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my no, that's, dad. That's, that's bad juju. Tell somebody. <laughs> I I was never gonna never. I never I never tell the results. Even if a house show at the NASA Coliseum, I don't tell my dad or anybody the results. Uh, I just don't. Uh, especially in that match. Oh my God. God forbid that ever got out. Oh man. And what if something changed? No, just can't do it. I'm sorry, Mikey. <laughs> God damn it! You cost me five grand. <laughs> I remember a story uh, Swoggle told about when he was going to do the illegitimate uh, son of Vince McMahon. So, and Dylan seems like he's a straight laced dude. Like you could tell him something. Okay, cool. Whatever. It's locked in the vault. I guess the story was that Bruce Pritchard pulled him aside, told him something and then took his phone. I mean, to the point where it's like, Hey, this is like super lock and key. So I guess to a certain extent, they got to do what they got to do to keep things private. Yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the show, right? I mean, we know what we know at the end of the day. This is entertainment, but when we're watching, at least me, I don't want to know what's going on. Even as a, as a fan growing up, I hated like getting spoiled online or when people would tell me the spoilers because what, you don't go to a movie and and read the the spoilers before. Like, what what's the point of that? That's I true. Do. Oh, well, you're a mess. You're a mess, Mike. <laughs> go can't. drink some barefoot the, I don't, wine. I don't, I don't have the. I would. I don't have the patience. Well, I tell you what, Matt, it, we've taken up a lot of your time. We really appreciate it. I know we are right there against the wall, but thank you so much for, for coming on and, and talking to us about your career, your relationship with Mikey. Um, tell everybody again where need, they need to go to find the podcast and the YouTube channel, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I mean, guys, thanks for having me on. And, you know, Mikey, we, we can't thank Mikey enough, Brian and I. No way, because like I said earlier, if we didn't go to that school and meet Mikey – then we wouldn't have gotten the tryout. Then we wouldn't have gotten signed. So, I mean, it all comes back. But the thing is, like, he didn't just teach us the moves. He didn't just teach me the Frank and Mikey, which he, which he did. But uh, he, he taught us how to navigate this crazy world of professional wrestling. Because it's crazy. And especially, we were 20-year-old kids going into the, the WWE in that 2006 era. You know, and we were able to survive it, you know, physically, but more importantly, mentally. You know, and be able to put up with all the bullshit that we put up with. Because of the things Mikey taught us and because we had respect for the business. You know, if we were just these wise-ass kids from New York, we would have got ribbed, hazed, kicked out of the locker room, fired in a year or two. You know, but the things we learned from Mikey uh, in the ring and out of the ring is why we, you know, we're so successful. So we, we can't thank him enough. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, <laughs> for a segue into that, great segue. <laughs> hey, he's uh, doing the hustle, man. Uh, I did switch all my handles uh, to at. The Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder's dead. Uh, rest in peace, Zack Ryder. Uh, and then the major nice. wrestling podcast. He's not dead, just taking a nap. He, he might, you know, he, you know, he might do that Undertaker sit up eventually. But the goal right now is not to get back there. Never say never, right? Everyone's been back. Uh, but my goal right now is like, oh man, what can I do to get back to WWE? Like that is the opposite of what I'm trying to do right now. Like, you know, that's, I that's, do, the, that's the fastest way to get back there. Yeah, I, so I you do, don't want to go back. I, I, Hey, and listen, I'm not anti-WWE. I'm very grateful for my time there. I'm not saying, you know, I just don't want to – I'm free right now. I don't want to live my life and try things and do things I've never done before and be my own boss and, you know, take risks. And, you know, if I fail, I want to be the one who gives myself the opportunity to fail. You know what I'm saying? And if I succeed, I want to be the one who gave myself that opportunity. And right now, proving doubters – Right. Proving doubters wrong, cool, right? Awesome. 
but that's not what I want to do. I want to prove everybody right, all the people right, people, whether it be someone like Mikey or it be a fan or someone who's been following me for a year, two years, 15 years. I want to prove those people right. Forget proving people wrong. That's going to happen. But proving people right, that's that's my goal right now. So there's that. And, and follow the podcast. Another good segue. Major <laughs> Wrestling Fair Podcast. <laughs> as, as a wrestler, it's awesome to watch you and follow you and watch you perform. But hearing the stories from Mikey and now getting a chance to actually talk to you, you're even a better person. Oh, and uh, very happy to get a chance to do this. I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty happy right now. This Are you is, uh, this is a big now? moment for me. I will leave you alone. Until tomorrow. Hey, can you get Brian? <laughs> By all means, is there any chance down the road we could twist your arm to come back and chat with us? Absolutely, yeah. Just uh, give me a heads up. I'd love to, uh, you know, maybe we can do a little... Hawkins and Ryder and Mikey. Maybe we get uh, Oscar from the Rat Pack. Get all those guys back, Mike. You still talk to any of those guys? Not really. They pop. <laughs> I see them pop up on your feed on Facebook every yeah. now and then, on your personal page. But I don't yeah. really. Uh, yeah. I. You know me. I, I don't really talk to too many people. I'm very That's bad at the game of phone. I'm, <laughs> I'll text you every now and then to say hey. Yeah. You know, but I'm just bad that way. I, I did hear a story uh, a couple weeks ago, Mikey, is that Hawkins was looking for this Mikey Whipwreck trading card. And you he, had a whole for bunch. years. He's been looking for this fucking thing. And you had a bunch of just threw him out or something. When I quit WCW, so I about, remember this card because you gave one to me. It was in my gear bag for years, yeah, and then eventually I'm, it was just this old shitty card. I threw it out. Right. Well, they sent me like five hundred of them. Tops sent me like five hundred of these cards. They gave me two of these blue fucking special pens. Had to be that specific <laughs> pen. I couldn't use a different blue pen. Had to be this blue pen. And sign them and send them back. And I go. Well, fuckers, I quit fucking two, three weeks ago. So <laughs> you ain't getting shit. So I had him. I, I was I would sign him. I was just giving him out. Here, here's my card. Hey, here's my card. Here's my card. Some of them said, go fuck your ass. Some of them said, hey, best of luck. Best always, whatever the hell it said. But yeah, but I, I must have signed maybe a hundred of them. And I said, ah, fuck. The, I just fucking threw them out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Those are very, very sought after in the card community. I'm not. A big card guy, but Hawkins was explaining it to me that because it's unreleased, like you said, it was never in the packs, but yeah. it was produced by Tops. Mm-hmm. So, and then you threw them out, so there's even less. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, Mikey. <laughs> there's there's not many out there because, like you said, most of them I gave out to the guys, and they go, "Ah, right. oh, yeah, thanks, Mikey. Throw it in the fucking bag." Yeah, like, like I said, I had it in my bag for so long until you know, I was like, it was falling apart. I was out, throw it out. But oh my, if I would have known, I would have put it in a nice, you know, top loader protector. <laughs> Yeah. Saved it up, but jeez. Gem Mint 10 or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable. He's using the Beckett terminology That's now. Right. You, you realize how much you're pissing him off right now, Mikey. You just <laughs> threw the damn shit away. Oh, well, that's who, who's the guy for TNA that did all the hype stuff? Don West. Don Cow. Don oh, West. it's Don West. Don West. I, I used to see him at like 2 o'clock in the morning on, on you know, WWOR Channel 9. Get your Mark McGuire rookie <laughs> card, people. Gem Mint 10. So that's, that's whatever I think of uh, rookie cards, I think of Mark McGuire in the in the gem mint near mint condition. Well, Mike, we need to get you some more merchandise. Finally, we got that Mikey Whipwreck figure, which I, I have proudly in my collection. Let's, let's talk about that. That fucking figure. <laughs> okay. As a figure guy. Yeah. It's not good, Mikey. It's not good. They they nailed it. They nailed the shirt. Neck neck down great. <laughs> Here, you'll you'll laugh at this. So they sent me the prototype, and I'll send you, Matt. I'll send you the, the prototype of the fucking head they sent me. And I said, "The fuck is this?" They go, "Tell me what you think," and I'm going, "Ah, oh, 
So I didn't answer him for like three days. He goes, hey, Mike, you just seen if you saw the prototype in the head and what you think. And I, I, I said, I, I think there's been a mistake. And like, what do you mean? I said, I said, I think you the, the head you made for Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Uh, it's funny because that figure, I think, was planned in like 2015. And I knew about it. I don't know if you told me about it or, or oh, somehow man. I knew. But I contacted that company to get all the reference shots of the shirt you were wearing because I wanted to get gear, you know, based off that shirt. Yeah. And I was I, I told you the story. Um, so I, I was going to wear it for the 2016 Royal Rumble. I had the gear made up. I had like the, the blue trace knee pads that I was going to wear like over the boots. And I, instead of like white wrap, I was going to wear like white, like AMA pads. And then, you know, wasn't in the Royal Rumble. I was like, all right, whatever. I, I'll wear them next year. Next year happens at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I blew up my knee. Not in the Royal Rumble. Okay, I'll wear it next year. <laughs> next year happens. So that's 2018. Anyway, long story short, I never fucking wore them. I'm like, all right. I think 2019, I'm actually supposed to be in the Royal Rumble, get pulled like at doors, replaced with Kurt Angle. I'm like, Jesus Christ, am I ever going to wear these fucking Mikey Whipwreck gear? Oh, then there was the greatest Royal Rumble. And the week before, I tweaked my knee and they wouldn't send me. So I couldn't wear it for that either. So I'm like, you know what? This year, I'm going to wear them in the Aja the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I'm like, that's it. I finally got to wear these things, right? And then, of course, the whole, like, coronavirus thing happens, and they don't have an Aja the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> so I have this gear. I've had it made up, I guess, since late 2015, early 2016. Never wore it. Uh, I posted a picture online, a little teaser. I didn't want to give it all away. But that would be some badass gear. But you got to wear that for, like, a special occasion. You can't just wear that. I'm like a raw or something like that. So I was waiting for something good. Yeah, you sent me that picture. I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm I'm saying, well, WWE just does not want to give Mikey any credit. (laughs) Either mention his name, give him any royalties, get any gear that may be somewhat associated with him. But what's cool now is that luckily that gear doesn't say Zack Ryder anywhere. Nice. So I can wear it. But we'll just find the right spot. Maybe I, maybe that psycho circus dream dream match. Here it is. Here's where you unveil it. Now there's a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Look at it that. We're booked be, it, right here. It went from being at the Royal Rumble or fucking WrestleMania or Saudi Arabia to yep, we're at fucking Deer Park in front of 400 people. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a so Matt Cardona story. So why not? Wow. Yeah, I know you are a busy man and you're against the clock here, but thank you so much again for coming in and having he ain't gonna do shit. He's, I, I've been in contact with his agent. I was given specific instructions. Believe it or not, people, even myself, when I got fired, especially during the quarantine, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm with all this time on my hands. Every day I'm waking up. I got a meeting here, an interview here, a phone call here. Me and Hawkins on this. We had create a zoom account for business podcast stuff that we're talking about new figures and new merch. Like what is going I'm, I'm more busy than I was before I got fired. Technically it's not a firing. It's, it's a, just a downsizing type of situation. You were furloughed. No, yeah. I, was, no I wasn't furloughed. I was flat out Shh. released. Trying to, trying to be nice about it. <laughs> flat out. I, I was upset. I didn't get the, uh, the Vince, you're fired. I would have liked that. I would have popped for that. That would have been good, right? You, you like, just played it. like, actually, I know Vince wasn't going to call me personally, but if Mark Carano could have just played me a little sound clip, I would appreciate that. You would have been good with that. <laughs> yeah. The, the only sad part about that is you never got future endeavored. You know what I mean? I never got, I never got that message. Gosh. I was just on the long list of people. Man. 
Well, I tell you what, we're excited to see what the next chapter is. We know it's going to be bigger and better than ever. You've got talent and, you know, a business acumen right now. You're going to succeed. So absolutely come back again, chat with us, and uh, very excited to see what's next in the chapter of Matt Cardona. Well, thanks for having me. If there's any dirt sheet writers listening, please do a clickbait headline that the Psycho Circus 2021 has been booked. (laughs) Team Brian Myers against Team Matt Cardona. We will have the, the draft. Uh, sometime in December. We don't know what Mikey's going to do on the show yet. I don't know if he's going to be a referee or a manager. or He might be in the match. We don't know. We got to ask him. But the Psycho Circus. Maybe I'll have my own team. And it'll be a three-way. Oh. My, my only rule here. for that is I will not work Stockade. I think he's banned. <laughs> uh, the, the ten people who know Stockade is listening to this are going to pop huge. He won't. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get a message. What the fuck, boss? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I don't want to, you know, get any heat with any of the boys. But, hey, <laughs> if you make either Team Myers or Team Cardona or maybe Team Whipwreck, I think you're, you've are you made it in this business. And if you didn't make the cut, no hard feelings. I go with Tyler Payne. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll bring it. I'll br- I'm going to bring in. I'm going to rebook. For the first time in a long time, Roostar. This is going to be a hell of a card, Mikey. <laughs> you think hell I'm of- kidding? This is it. This is, I mean, we're, I'm texting Shane as we speak. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. We have, <laughs> <talked about this already. laughs> I, I, we have already talked about this. Wow. We did, Done. we already did our, our group, uh, we already did our fantasy dress, but that's not official. Those okay. were not official. That was we just a test, a test run? Just a test, test run, right. right. Cool. So the draft has to be streaming live. That's right. It's gonna be, and I think we have to go back to the old school outside with the, <laughs> that old piece of shit. If it's even still standing, it might still be standing. Well, we can always do it outside Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah, or outside Ruby Tuesday, I'll get the big colossal burger for old times' sake. There you go, <laughs> guys. He is Matt Cardona. Follow him at the Matt Cardona. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees. You can get his merchandise there. Follow him at the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And uh, Matt, once again. Awesome to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Send our best to Chelsea as well. And we will be talking to you down the road, my friend. All right. See you guys. Thanks a lot. Matt, you got care. it. Send my best to the wife. Send my best to your folks. And thank you very much for the big O. <laughs> Fuck the big O. Keep that in. <laughs> oh, my God. See you guys. See Bye. ya. That is the Matt Cardona. Uh, wow. Zach Ryder. The $1,000 broski. I'm extremely happy. You have no idea. I hope to God, and I, I mean this with all sincerity, I hope to hope God I did record. Are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me? I got this recorded on like four different recorders going on right now. Uh, I wasn't going to miss this for anything, but I do appreciate uh, it. Thank a, you. It says up in the thing that Mike is recording the call. I said, okay, yes. good. Oh, I was ready way before 9 o'clock. I had coffee here. I had water here. Make sure that my uh, vocal cords were lubed up. I wrote an intro. God, I hope that didn't sound stupid, but. I'm saying if he, keeps, if he keeps fucking Maddie waiting because he's taking a shit, I'm gonna fucking cook her. <laughs> but that was fun. That was fun. It was neat to hear him, and it's always neat to hear a different side of somebody that you've seen on TV and hear the training and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. he wanted it, man. And when he said there was no plan B, there's a reason because he was laser locked. You know, when you hear people who say, you know, I'm gonna be an attorney or I'm gonna be a doctor. 
and they go ahead and they do it. They're not fucking around. I mean, there's a certain breed of people out there, and it doesn't even matter what they're looking to do. When they say they're going to do it, you look at them and you believe it. Yes, and he, he definitely like from the from the very beginning, man. He fucking loved it. He fucking lived it. So, wow. You know, I had no doubt he'd make it. I didn't think it it would be that fast. You know, I thought he'd have you know some of the struggles like everybody has at first. Sure. But him and Brian, I mean, Dreamer said, hey, Mikey, you know, when you have some guys ready, let me know. And then I said, well, they're young as fuck. But, you know, if you want them young, the, the potential is there. You know what I mean? And right. He signed them up and, and there you go. Wow. Very cool, man. And, and I mean this with all sincerity from me to you. Um, you know, we do a lot of joking and a lot of, you know, whatever. But you've really had a big impact on a lot of people's lives. And I could see that when he was talking. So, you know. Yeah, it's nice because, you know, I I was getting to be old. Nobody nobody remembers me. You know what I mean? I'm very, like, I'm not very vocal, put myself out there too much. I mean, I'm on fucking Twitter. But, you know, it's nice to hear every now and then. Some of the kids I helped out along the way. And most of them are. They're very, they're always very thankful when I talk to them. Hugs, all that good stuff. When I see you, ra- you raised him well. You raised him I tried. Well. I tried. Did you, uh, by any chance, talk to Jerry today? I, I talked to Mr. JL briefly. He called me before, but I was busy doing something. I didn't get a chance to pick up. Yeah, so he called He called me, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him. And then he, I called him back, and he was just getting off his flight in Jacksonville. And it sounded like he was with a big group of people heading over to the hotel. He said, hey, let me let me get back to you. So. Right. Glad he's doing well, and uh, he's in it now. Ten days in Jacksonville. Yeah, on the there, road. There are worse places to be. This is true. Big pay per view coming up, double or nothing. Can't wait to see how that's going to happen. And yeah, excellent stuff. Anything else on your mind before we uh, bid an adieu? Not to be confused with Aju. Which but now talk, that I we know, we talked about that the other day. We did talk about that, and and now it really bothers me that. Um, it was out of a big bucket. Like it wasn't like, and then when Danny talked about, see, I how, expected it to be worse, even like a giant package ugh, frozen. Ugh, but it tastes so good. Yeah. But what's in it? Yeah, that's true. A lot of things that are good. Like, was there a guy? Like in that's the, not, that's not just somebody cooking a fucking roast beef. That's what I mean. A fucking the pan, stick and the just pan the juice. No, that's what I no. thought it was. This is all concocted in a factory. That's terrible. Let's see that. Some of this. Some uh, little fucking some ball sweat here. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah. I'm quite sure ball sweat's on the, the list of recipes. Ball sweat, stuff. taint, cheese. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not going to go into a laugh fit like I did the other day. Taint? <laughs> cheese. That's a new one, right? Yeah, that's, well, hey. At this point, why not? Taint cheese. Love it. Ugh. Well. Taint cheese from under your yam bag. You know, you know what, guys? That's going to do it for another False Finish Friday. Do we, it all right. we do appreciate you guys taking time to allow us to entertain you. Once again, we want to thank our guest, Matt Cardona. You can go and follow him once again at the Matt Cardona. Get his merchandise at Pro Wrestling Tees. Watch the Major Wrestling Fig Podcast YouTube channel. 
support the guys. They're awesome. Always have fun watching them and, uh, and watching all their treasure hunts that they go on. If you enjoy what you are listening to with Mikey, myself, and Jerry, guys, don't don't forget, go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Leave us, let us know what you like about the show, and even give us some feedback as far as, hey, I'd like to hear about this person. Maybe I'd like to hear about this person. We have some more people in the pipeline that we are going to be reaching out to as far as guests, and we are excited about that. All right. With that being said, stay safe, stay good. We'll catch you next week on The False Finish. The world of NLW Radio never stops.